Mr. Pop. It's the newspaper equivalent of the blow-up doll industry. This is Rock and Roll, your weekly shot of sport and music with Kevin Hillier, Brian Mannix and Mark Fine. Hello everyone, my name's Taylor Swift and it's fabulous to have you on Rock and Roll because everything in this country at the moment has got to have something to do with Taylor Swift if you want anyone to pay any attention to anything you're doing. So I want to welcome uh, my two uh, colleagues uh, in crime tonight on the Gold Coast, Taylor Swift. Well, um, I've got to say, I, I watched the uh, Super Bowl today. and uh, Who was on it? Start? Well, she was there. Yeah, she was. She was. But I was watching, uh, what's, her, what's her bloke's name? Oh, for the, the Chiefs you know, uh, the running bloke back. The that she's going in. out with. Kelsey. Yeah, the guy we've seen all day. Yeah, Kelsey. Kelsey. Yeah, right. Kelsey Grammar. Well, you know, I was be. watching these guys and they copped, you know, there was great win by them uh, in the last five seconds or whatever. But, um, wow, did they cop a pounding, those guys. But – I'm tipping Taylor Swift's going to cop a bigger pounding tonight. <laughs> Thank you, Brian, for taking us straight. To everyone's now gone. Hang on, this got nothing to do with Taylor Swift. Well, it has, but it hasn't. I'm Kevin Hillier. That's Brian Mannix. And in the Mark Fine chair, uh, happy to say, Ken Francis. Hello, Kenny. Good to see you, fellas. Thanks for the invite. Although I'm always here at the expense of Finey, so that's always a, a disappointment to me because I like his input. Well, it's not illness, and it's not uh, you know, it's just the fact that um, the only night that uh, he and the family could find in their bloody you know business uh, at the moment to uh, celebrate Andy's birthday was uh, was tonight. So uh, uh, the, having a family dinner tonight. So family, we say this a million times. Family comes first, so yep. Finey and uh, and Andy, happy birthday, to Andy and uh, and uh, to Nat and everyone. Uh, enjoy your night. Yeah, absolutely. But, but it's I must good go to down and board. check out. I must check out the uh, the renovations. I've got to we've say heard so much about them. His Facebook, the Facebook post they've had of recent times. He had some chicken broth up the other day that I saw, but some of the uh, the food that he's uh, he's been putting up and uh, some of the pictures that I've got, I've got to get to Lenny's. I've got to get to Lenny's. In North Caulfield, it's it's on fire. Well, it's not on it's fire. It's great, and it, it's excellent for putting that soup and stuff in the uh, the freezer. Yep. So on nights where you just can't be bothered doing anything, you've got fantastic meals. So, yeah, love Lenny's. Nights like day. nights like today when it's 36, and the last thing you want to do is be uh, hanging around in the kitchen slaving yep. over something, walk in, grab something that you've got from Lenny's, put it on yep. and go, off you go. Bang, you're away. Yep, perfect. Haven't got a Gold Coast franchise as yet, Brian, but I'm sure you could talk to Finey and he could arrange something for you. Well, you know, uh, I, the demand for soup doesn't seem to be too high around <laughs> Surfers Paradise. Um, yeah, and the broth, and that's not the full spelling of broth on the Gold Coast either. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, no, I don't think there's much call for maybe in winter as a side issue. Oh, look, it gets, to ni- it gets to 20 degrees and, and people on the Gold Coast put a jumper on, for God's sake. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. No, I think that... Um, you know, people on the Gold Coast, if they're going to have soup, they want to make it in the privacy of their own home yes, and right. not have anybody know that they're yes. having soup. Yes, most people on the Gold Coast actually, they slop around in their soup rather than actually drink it. Um, so lovely to have you both uh, on tonight. As per usual, uh, you know, it's 60 minutes. We have to get to the news at the end of the show, so we've got a lot to barrel our way through. Yep. Uh, Kenny, I want to ask you, have you been to any good gigs lately? Because I know you've, oh. you get out and about. Who have you seen? Absolutely. I saw, uh, what was it, last weekend, uh, Noiseworks, who played uh, in Melbourne at the Forum. They've been on tour around the country. And um, their last album, I don't know if you heard much of their last album, Brian, but their last album was really, really good. And, you know, it was the sort of thing that it, had it have been released in the 90s, it would have been another top 10 album for them. It's who wrote fan- the songs? Uh, well, Stuart and uh, Stuart would had a huge input and recorded a lot of it prior to uh, his unfortunate passing. Yeah. Um, Bilby, yep, yep. Steve and um, John. I like, I like, I like Steve Bilby's writing. Yeah, he's a he's a great character, isn't he? Oh, he is. Yeah, he's I a bit eccentric, isn't he? Isn't he sort of left of the po- you walk down the post office and turn left to go to Steve Bilby's place? Isn't that <laughs> how it works? Much. Yeah, pretty much. You got to see him out front of no- of uh, proud of uh, my sex. Yeah, there, there's another persona altogether. It's like Clockwork Orange. Yeah, it is. It's bizarre. Well, we but, Brian, but they and I, were great. Brian and I spoke to Johnny Stevens a couple of weeks back, and uh, it'll be on Life of Brian in the in one of the coming episodes. Uh, and he was in he was in fine fettle 
Um, he's uh, he's had his bloody health battles, has John? Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and very you know very very mindful of, uh, of how he looks after himself these days because at any moment you know he uh, he's been he's been over the other side and back again fortunately um, yeah what about you Brian have you uh, what did you do on the weekend you get out and about I see your lovely daughter was performing on the weekend at uh, place in Sorrento yeah yep uh, she was um, and you know I was tied up with the with the actor awards as you would imagine me too and and you know you're getting all these phone calls from you know Margot oh Margot of course Margot and Margot's welcome Margot's <laughs> fine but it's you know it's the no hoper from home and away <laughs> that want to come in as well they no look it's Margot and who else was there um uh, well uh, Simon Baker was there and yeah, he came. I, I'm not sure if Hugo turned up in the end, but I think Guy Pearce was there. Uh, Kate Blanchett was there. Yeah, they Rebel. were all there. Rebel all Wilson. Oh, well, I played her dad. Rebel. So he, anyway, they all came back. To Rebel would have been at your place, absolutely. Yeah, they had a few bongs and um, <laughs> a few bongs. <laughs> I think they had the bongs before the show, Brian, but judging by what I saw. <laughs> I didn't see the show. Was it any good? Oh, award shows, honestly. Um, it wasn't the worst one I've ever seen. I didn't watch all. I was Sunday Sunday night, so I was potting around doing stuff, and I thought I don't want to put anything on that I'll I'll sit and watch. I want to put something on that I'll walk past every now and again when I come into the room. And go, oh, okay. Um, and they, they did. They did. So Margot Robbie was seemingly not Rebel. Rebel did nice little piece with Ronnie Howard, um, Richie oh. Cunningham, who's in in Australia filming on the Gold Coast. Um, Really? Henry Winkler's here at the same time. Yeah, he and Henry actually caught up ah. caught up in Sydney, I think, uh, when because Henry's been here, he's been in Perth, he's been doing this tour around the place. Um, I'm seeing him in Melbourne this week. That's right, he's in Melbourne yeah. this week. Um, uh, yeah, but but then I walk through and Rove's on. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. Sorry, I don't want to. You know, I don't want to pot the bloke too much because he's probably you know a nice fellow. I've never met him, but oh Jesus, he was annoying. Um, mm. Just it was like. It was so cheesy and, uh, you know, because of the long award show and they were in an auditorium so they weren't being fed or or got drinks or anything. So he handed out a packet of biscuits and some bickies to everyone and and made a thing. And it was just, oh, I thought, oh, really? And then I went out of the room, came back five and so, and he's still on. So... Um, <clears throat> And then, and then he, they his company probably produced the well, show. Might have. And then there was uh, this enormous amount of international awards handed out, mm. you know, to Killian Murphy for Oppenheimer and uh, and all these. And I'm thinking, why was that? And then I realised what it was. Margot uh, Robbie got the major award for the actress, and Barbie won the film or whatever. So that was why. <laughs> but why would a, an Australian award show? Spend a, a whole lot of time giving awards out for screenwriting on American films and stuff. They've got enough. <laughs> they've got enough awards in America to sink fifteen Titanic's. Yep. And that, we, that you really really used to annoy me too on the uh, the Countdown Rock Awards. Didn't didn't happen on the uh, the King of Pop, but when you got to the Countdown Rock Awards, there was the category for the most popular international act. And I thought, I'm sure if you go to London and go to their music award show, then they haven't got a category for the most popular Australian act. You know, I thought, Duran Duran, they're getting their awards over there. I thought this was the Australian Music Awards. Drives that, me nuts. That was an excuse just to have whoever it was in the studio, whatever, win the award or, or yeah, yeah. for Molly to do a quick little fly over there and come back here. And that was a rort from the start, that. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> oh, you're very quiet. You're very quiet on all of that, Brian. Taxpayers' money well spent. <laughs> Molly, all right, Molly. Okay, this week I've got big news. It's absolutely fantastic. I'll be flying over to Los Angeles. I'll catch up with my old mate, Lionel Richie, and then after that I'll be doing Stevie Nicks. Well, you know, not doing Stevie Nicks, but you know what I mean. <laughs> then, we're, then we're up to Norway to see Uh-huh, and then over to New York to catch up with Deborah Harry from Blondie, who's going to be great, and, of course, my old old mate, Madonna, and then just to see how far we can stretch your taxpaying dollars, we're going to pull into Mykonos and get a nice tan before dropping back to Switzerland and picking up some watches and some chocolate, and I'll show you it all on next week's show. <laughs> and that whole trip turns out to be like two and a half minutes on camera. Yeah. And cost a fortune and was two and a half minutes on camera. Yeah, if that. 
Yeah, never ceased to yeah. amaze me. Actually, we're right in there. The chart that, that Ken selected for us for this week's chart chat is right in the uh, the the absolute zenith of Countdown. Countdown had been going for about a year when this chart came out. Um, yeah. So it's December of 1975, and it is a ripping chart. It's a beauty. Yep. It's it is a, a good one. You've got to love a chart that's got five Aussies in the top 10, 12 Aussies in the top 40 all up. It's got three ABBA songs in the top 15, but okay. it has okay, got, a cu- got a couple of Alice Cooper classics, ACDC debuting, the beautiful uh, Heading in the Right Direction by Renee Gay. God, I mm-hmm. love that song. Um, a couple of uh, – it's got a Skyhook song in there, a bit of Sherbet, a bit of Hush. Good. Yeah, it's – and do you know what else is on that chart? We should talk about it later, but um, this is the first chart or this is the first ever appearance – from John Paul Young on a chart. Oh, is it really? This is the first ever appearance from John Paul Young. Love game. Love game. Yeah, right down the bottom there at number 37. Now, you know why? What? Because previously when he charted with Pasadena John and also Young. his number one yesterday's hero, they were released under the name John Young. Yes, they were too. Absolutely correct. Because I was going to say, I didn't think Love Game was his first hit. Pasadena was. Which mm. uh, I think he told me um, George Young sings the the last verse on that. He doesn't actually sing on it. George yeah. does um, at the end. So we'll get to the chart and have a chat about that. Uh, lots. Of, you mentioned the Super Bowl, Brian. Did you actually watch it, or did you just walk past and see Tay Tay? No, I, I I made an effort to get up and watch it. Um, Didn't start till ten thirty. <laughs> well, it started. Oh, sorry, at, rock star. It time. started at ten, and but. That meant nine o'clock at my time, so Sorry. I didn't get really Fair get enough. get started myself till about quarter past nine. Mm. But I got I got to I thought I'll go down to you know one of the joints having a thing and I get the vibe and have a hot dog and all of that. Mm. It was rather awful, really. It was I got there too late. There was no seats, and um, you know they have shit beer. And then I went to another joint, and they at least they had a Budweiser, which was pretty good. But um, no, look, it was, um, you know, it just reminds you what a boring game it is. <laughs> um, you know, they play for, what, 80 minutes supposedly and – No, 60. 60 minutes and it takes four hours to play or whatever. And I and I thought Usher was really below Super Bowl standards. Oh, okay. It's just overcrowded that stage. I didn't think it sounded very good, and no, I've been impressed by a lot of Super Bowls, but that one didn't work for me. Fair it's enough. Good dancing, but mm. yeah, it's sort of it's taken a turn, hasn't it? It, it used to be very much a, a rock kind of um, uh, show at halftime. It's <clears throat> it's now become more. It's almost like they're not they're not they, when they put the rappers on the other year. Remember, they had about four or five rappers, but they had all the. Yeah. Snoop Dogg and all the traditional, none of the new wave of rappers. Mm. They had the the traditional ones. It's almost like they're caught in that bind where the audience that watches it is not quite ready for the rap music of 2024 or a lot of the music of 2024. You've got to have something from the past, but they kind of don't want to put a Springsteen or one of those acts in again now because they they think it's moved away from that and it needs mm-hmm. to be more dance and needs to be more, um, uh, I guess, um, ideologically Better or more sound or more politically correct? No. You know, well, you could ha- you could have three artists. You know, you could have Dolly Parton come out and do a bit. She's got all the rednecks happy, and then you got you know some rapper that's not too heavy rap. Yep. And then I know they all do "We Are the World." What the hell? <laughs> Actually, have you seen the doco that's out of, on that? Yeah. Have you watched it, Ken? No, I want to see it. It's uh, it's pretty good. I mean, there's some there's some really good bits in it. And I was reading today. You mentioned Molly before. Molly's hat apparently is on it. Um, yes. you get it. You get to see the, the the top of Molly's hat in one of the shots where they're they're going in and out of the uh, the studio because he was there for that. There was your taxpayers' money at work, right? <laughs> yeah, I leave, your, leave your ego at the door, but you can wear your hat. <laughs> I remember at the time there was a doco shown on Channel 10 here, obviously an American production, but it was like a making of We Are The World. And for the entire doco, all you saw was Molly's hat because it was a shot from above, shot down from above studio looking at all the stars down there recording. And you could see Molly's hat. 
continually okay. buzzing around the room. I didn't even know. So, I watched the doco. I thought the doco was pretty good. I did think of people saying it's the best music documentary ever made. I, mean, oh, I don't even know what is the best music documentary ever made, but don't know. Well, I, I haven't seen all of it, but um, I was listening to somebody talking about how Stevie Wonder wanted them to sing a verse in Swahili. <laughs> and there's this big argument about you know no Bob Girl saying it's it's for it's it's for people to give to them it's not about making a record that they're gonna like <laughs> and then after they're and not after, gonna buy it in Swahili Stevie and they after don't much and after much debate somebody pointed out that they don't speak Swahili in Ethiopia <laughs> <laughs> ah, ah. Oh, okay. uh, I thought Stevie Wonder doing uh, teaching Bob Dylan the chorus or whatever it was that was brilliant um, and and Stevie Wonder and who was it the other blind. Singer that was there, um, Ray uh, Charles. Uh, I'm not sure it was it Ray. I'm not sure it was. Oh, how many blind black blokes do you need well, at I, one of these? Well, things? apparently, because apparently one of the other daughters, Stevie said, "I'll take you," and they show, <laughs> <laughs> which is like, and, and I think someone actually used the expression. Well, there you go. There's the blind leading the blind. So was, <laughs> um, I can't remember. Somebody what reckons was. that Stevie Wonder's not blind and he's been faking it for all these oh, years. That's not true. Because did you see the film clip at the awards during the week? Where I, I can't remember. Was it? Was it Mariah Carey getting an award and with and Stevie was presenting with her, and they choreographed it so he was going to give her the microphone. So he's yeah. stand, he's standing there with the microphone in his hand, with a yep. smile on his face, waiting for her to take the microphone off. And she walked straight past him, walked around, and went to the the stand yep. mic on the stand and started talking. And Stevie's standing there like a star butler, you know what? He looked like he was fishing. Yeah, yeah, it was awful. It was horrible. Apparent. Apparently, uh, when Stevie Wonder played Australia in 1980, John Farnham was his support act, and Farnham's a huge Stevie Wonder fan. Oh, he is. And Stevie brought John out on stage for the encore, and Stevie wandered out up next to Johnny Farnham on stage, and he's trying to hand him a microphone, and John's already got a microphone. So John just quickly whispered into Stevie's ear, it's all right, mate, I've already got one. And he kept trying to shove this microphone into his hands. And he said, Steve, it's okay. I've, I've got one. And Stevie said to him, say that into the mic. So he <laughs> did. Hey, it's okay, Stevie. I've got one. <laughs> Apparently the audience was horrified, but Stevie Wonder absolutely loved it. Oh, there you go. So it's something he does apparently. <laughs> uh, Lou Reed. Lou Reed gave him a Polaroid camera for his birthday. Apparently, really? <laughs> <laughs> Stevie thought that was funny too. Uh, uh, there you go. Well, I, I gave him a cheese grater for Christmas. Oh, stop it, <laughs> Ken! Do you now? You Bruce Mansfield gave you that joke. <laughs> it's done the rounds. Go on, yeah. finish doing the punchline. Go on. Ken. Said it was the most violent book he'd ever read. There you there go. go. There be right. some people that haven't heard that joke. <laughs> Hey, can I ask you quickly? Joe about Biden the Super heard Bowl? it, but he doesn't remember it. He doesn't remember <laughs> it. Can I ask you guys about the Super Bowl, seeing as how we did see it today, just quickly? Because yeah. I know in Australia, whether it's the NRL or the AFL, we all seem to want to follow what they do at the Super Bowl. And but one, yeah. it was great to see the the Aussie boy from Western Australia, Mitch Minowski, uh, doing really well. Yep, I, yep. I I got that sense of pride every time they mentioned he was from Perth, Australia. I love that. Yeah. Anyway, that's uh, the cultural cringe coming out there. Yeah, but. What was bizarre to me about the coverage and where it really differs, say, from the the NRL or the AFL grand final or any football match here, I did not see any crowd shots where you were looking at a crowd reaction. And to me, that crowd reaction shot, you know, when something happens and the crowd all goes up, there was that, sure, there was shots of Taylor. We saw plenty of shots of Taylor uh, and shots of other celebrities, but there wasn't those crowd shots, which I thought was really bizarre. As far as the coverage goes, that's interesting. We've become well, more actually. Aussie rules has become more that um, look at the coach's box and the and the celebs in the stand. We've become we've started doing more of that than the uh, the actual crowd yeah. thing. But Unfortunately, we we mic up our crowds much better at our sport than Americans yes, do. That was another remark I made. I just couldn't hear them. Yeah, it, it, it literally it had very little atmosphere. Mm. Yeah, um, which is why I wanted those crowd shots. I wanted to see the audience all jumping to their feet and celebrating. But well, no, just the other thing too well. is I, I don't know what the uh, Vegas Stadium holds, but it wouldn't be. I mean, a hundred thousand knock it on the head. No, it's, it, it's about sixty-five thousand. There you go. Yeah, 
So it's not. It's certainly not about the people who are in the stadium. Yeah, it was for me. Well, it was bizarre, and also the presentation. I don't know if you noticed oh, when the, doing the presentation joke. at the end on the dais. You know, here they'll, they'll call up the captain and the coach, and then the team will come up and celebrate at the end. How many people were up on that dais when they were doing the the presentation and the couple of speeches? I think there was forty seven people up there at one stage. Um, well, it's, I don't know who they were. I'm surprised they got a dais because normally it's, it looks like it's been done on the back of a very, very small, tiny, tiny Toyota truck back. Because <laughs> um, there's normally only about six people up there, and uh, the owner of the, the franchise, obviously, and yep. you know, the NBC executives or whichever television network, and and the quarterback and the uh, and the team coach, and that's about it. Yeah, well, no, there was. Every man and his dog up there at this oh, one was okay. so busy, and that damn well, confetti kept going off halfway through everything. And I thought, no, they they haven't looked at how we do it. Well, there's a couple of reasons why you didn't see much of the crowd, because America can't do anything with at least out at least three hundred people. So you probably got about four hundred people on the Chiefs' side. You got the two teams. You got. 35 million coaches, you got thing. It's like they, that's, they take up all the shots. It's like, you know, um, yeah, no, it's, yeah, I did have another point about it, but there's it's a, gone There's now. another half. When you look at the ground, and I think they're about, it's about the same size of rugby league ground, because I think the rugby, the NRL games are being played on that, in that stadium mm. um, right. for round one. Um, there's another half a ground that goes from the, from the sideline to the actual stand where they all stand, the 50 players and the coaches and the yep, water yep. boys and the whatever, and on each side of the ground. So for the actual yeah. – for when you think about where um, primetime seats are, they're a bloody mile away from the they're actual action. Away. Like watching yep. soccer at the MCG. Yeah. Ex- yeah. Except it is a rectangular stadium with a rectangular field, whereas the MCG obviously – is not a rectangular stadium, and uh, yeah. and rugby league and and soccer unfortunately look look silly on it. Yeah, they do. Um, it's an interesting game, the old NFL. I don't, I mean, that's the longest apparently Super Bowl in history because oh, it, it just went, went on. It went on and on and on and on and on. Finally, uh, uh, Kansas City won it. But um, yeah, it's a funny game. I at one stage I was very enamoured with it, and now can't say I am. Yeah. I think your best just to watch the highlights of the game rather than all the crapping on in between, you know, plays and, oh, I'm going to swap the teams over and, oh, you know, it, you know, it just takes too long to watch it. You're right. 60 minutes worth of action and that's, a you know, inverted commas. Um, yeah. And it takes four hours. That's that's ludicrous. Just, I, I went to a game in America and I, I left halfway through the third quarter because I thought this is driving me nuts. Mm. That, that's what I did today. Yeah. Yeah, it was hard to watch. When, when you're used to our games here, it's hard to watch. Yep. I mean, we complain about rugby league being a stop-start. In comparison yeah. to American football, rugby league's actually quick. Um, <laughs> very strange. All right, what else we got going on? Taylor Swift is in town, apparently, boys, uh, when she <laughs> when she decamps from the uh, the Kelsey. Uh, you can cry herself from under Kelsey or whatever his name is. Kelsey uh, Grammer. Kelsey, he's going to be just... He's a, celebrating. Now, you know, he can probably do some coke because he's not going to get drug tested for a couple of weeks. The season's over. Now, you know he's a tight end. That's what he says about. <laughs> no, Brian, don't. <laughs> don't. I get it. I just. Uh, just be subtle, Brian. Mm, okay. Um, I'm smart to yeah. work that out. Well, so she'll be. She's in town, and already enough. You've got yours. She like, won't be in town. She'll be recovering in hospital. She probably won't be able to walk for a couple of days. Well, she's on stage on Friday night here in Melbourne. Well, she's going to take all the rehab time she needs to um, <laughs> before she gets here. Well, she um, she uh, they've already started. I don't know if you collected yours first one yesterday in the paper, but there's a five part life size. Taylor Swift in I think it's in the Herald Build Sun. build your own Taylor Swift. Yeah. You build one. The the shoes were yesterday. Can you imagine? Can you imagine how many people are gonna build one of them? Well and poke and poke a convenient hole in it somewhere. Every, it everywhere in it. Yeah. Don't worry. Everywhere. <laughs> It'll make it it's the uh it's the newspaper equivalent of the blow up doll industry. <laughs> oh boy. 
Is it in cardboard or do you have to put the no, cardboard No, no, it's just on? normal paper. Just it's oh, very. You'd have to you'd have to lay it on cardboard and cart it out, or you know yeah. perhaps perhaps some foam like you'd have in a mattress. What you do in you'd the privacy of your that. own home, Brian, is not of concern. <laughs> you'd have to laminate it, Brian. <laughs> we just buy a blow-up doll and paste. <laughs> put her face on it. Face face Taylor all over. Which it. is what people will be doing who miss the first four days of the the, the lifestyle thing. I'll just well, some people just might want to get the the headshot and <laughs> work from there. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> so uh, yes, so Tay Tay uh, magic is sweeping over the countryside, and uh, there'll be all these people camping out at the MCG. Oh God, it'll be. Hysterical. Yeah, so gullible, so gullible. They told you she was great, so you better get some tickets, mate, because she's great. She's Taylor Swift. Uh, she's not doing anybody any harm. She's making a lot of money, and uh, and uh, there's a, a, a huge audience that love her. Good luck to her. Do you like her music, Kenny? But not her music so much, although I seem to know more of her music than some of my other friends, but I think that's because I worked in a certain department that had smooth playing for 12 months. Yep. I heard plenty of her there. But um, as a person, I really like – she seems to have a really great connection with her fans. Yep. A really genuine connection, like a one-on-one connection with her fans. I've seen video – I don't know if you've ever seen the video of her when she attended a war veteran's birthday party, an elderly gentleman who really loved her but couldn't get to her concert. I have seen And that. I think – I think he was in the Marines and her father was in the Marines. So she took her mum and dad. And this has turned up on you know, on the socials and YouTube and that yeah, type of thing. Absolutely. Purely because people at the party shot the footage. She didn't have a social media team there shooting the thing for that purpose. She just seems like a really genuine person. She spent a lot of time at that party and you know had genuine one-on-one conversations with the gentleman and her father was impressed to meet him and no, I just really like her. And then there's all the money that she donates to charity in each city that she's in. So, you know, I'm, obviously the, there's going to be the backlash because she's just so huge. But it, it's a phenomenon. But that's it's not her fault that she's popular. I mean, no, I mean really, that's what every what what I always find. It's certainly not my fault. No, that it's she's not yours. Popular. What I find interesting is that we 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 tend to pull down people who are incredibly popular because they're popular. They didn't. They they just did what they did, and everyone went. Oh, I really like that. Let's do. Uh, yeah. Which you know, no matter what your pursuit in life is in the entertainment industry. You want the most amount of ears listening to your radio show. You want the most amount of eyes watching your television show. You want the most amount of people at your gigs. You want that. That's what you. That's why we do it. We want to share yeah. those things with people, and we want to be successful. She's been successful. Everyone wants to potter for it. I, I, yeah. I must admit, I scratch my head with that. I, I actually don't these days. Maybe I might have been different when I was younger, but these days, I couldn't give a tinker's cuss whether I like the song or not. If a whole lot of people love it, well, good for you. And and it deserves to be played or it deserves to be acknowledged and uh, I, I don't have a problem about that anymore. I love seeing the popularity surrounding her and it's as I say, it's a phenomenon. We it's rarely seen this type of adulation for a, a person. And um, you know, I go back to seventies and I would love seeing people hanging out outside the hotel to see the Bay City rollers or whatever. I love that sort of thing when that happens. Because you know, being a fan myself, I just love to see people being so devoted to something that they'll go to those lengths and her fans are going to incredible lengths, but you know, it's all harmless and they seem to love her as you say. And, yep. you know, I, I haven't heard anybody saying too much of a bad word against her. And it's similar to Kylie Minogue or, or Olivia oh, Newton-John. Multiplied by, multiply by Kylie. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> multiplied by about 20 years. Oh, well, remember when, I mean, when Kylie first came out with Locomotion, my God, didn't they sink the slipper into her over yeah. there? Uh, yep. Hey, and what did they do to her? Sink the slipper. Have <laughs> a kicking, Brian. I can, remember, I can remember many, many. In fact, there was one very, very well-known radio personality and a very well-known uh, uh, record label person who were very good friends who had a bit of a falling out over that particular song because the radio bloke said it was shit and, and the record company bloke said, no, it's not. It's going to be a big hit and it was and it launched her musical career. And I don't know. Well, neighbours, neighbours was as hot as hell at that. Oh, day. yeah, it helped. You know, no doubt it helped. They was huge. I mean, look at this this chart that we got from nineteen seventy five tonight. I mean, there's three. I mentioned there's three ABBA songs in the top fourteen. Mm. Um, they were massive. The people that uh, went to the airport and 
saw them and they came. The Bay City Rollers. I did the I did the welcoming for the Bay City Rollers in Brisbane at the airport. It was pissing down rain. It uh, the flight was delayed. I reckon by four hours or something, oh. ju- judging by how much I had to drink between when we were supposed to get there and <laughs> when they were supposed to arrive and when they did arrive. Um, and the, those kids hung in there the whole time, stayed and uh, and waited and waited. Woody, Woody. Um, yeah, I don't, you know, fan adulation for things. I mean, I was, you, Brian, you're the same. We we're both Beatles babies. Kenny, I don't know what your, what your choice yeah, I'm not count down era that we're looking at on the uh, on the chart chat tonight. Yeah. So you know, yeah, loved all that. Yeah, no, I think that I think we I think we we pot people's success a bit too quick. Yeah, well, that's happened with you, Brian. You know, you've been potted left, right, and centre for your success. It's all poppy syndrome, Brian. Yeah, and look where it's left me. I'm just a shallow <laughs> shell of myself. But you know what, Brian? You know it's no. good. You're right. not. You're not in the deathalizer. Yes, that's right. But you'd better introduce it, ladies and gentlemen. If you're not dead, then you can listen to this week's episode of the Deathalizer. All right, uh, a couple of uh, really uh, very very sad ones uh, in this. Um, what about this for a story? Uh, Kelvin Kiptum. Now, uh, you're both going to look at me and go, that was Kelvin Kiptum, uh, is the world record holder for the marathon. He's a Kenyan runner. He holds the world record for the marathon. He's gone faster than any other human being in the world with the marathon. 24 years of age. Young guy. Yeah. yeah, 24 years of age, killed in a car accident. That's just just horrible. That's just awful. You know, it's terrible. And the worst thing. The worst thing was that he could have got out and run fast. Yes, he could yeah, have. Exactly. he could. Have. I was just thinking, well, if you can run that far, what are you even getting in a car for? Saved his life. <laughs> Sorry, very insensitive. Sorry, I'll shut up. No, no, Calvin's family—they rarely listen. The deathalizer brings the best out of Brian. Um, <laughs> uh, Malcolm Stewart, the long-time three uh, AW London reporter, passed away at the age of eighty-six. Heard him no. on, the, on the breakfast show and on the morning show for I think since about 1973 or something. He's mm, been doing yeah. it. Um, I actually I I was working at AW the night we got the news that Margaret Thatcher had passed away. Yeah, and I I had to ring Malcolm at home to ask if he would come on with Bruce and Phil. Yeah, and he was in the pool and hadn't heard. Oh God, really? So I actually broke the news to him that Margaret Thatcher had passed away, and sure enough, you know, he said, "Yep," he said, "Yes, give me two minutes." So he jumped out of the pool. Give me two minutes. I rang him back. Bang. Away he went. Oh, wow. He was what fantastic. A oh, yeah. what a pro. So he passed away at the age of 86. That's very sad. Um, Frank Housen passed away at the age of 72. Uh, director, screenwriter, singer, uh, co-wrote some songs for the Little River Band with uh, with B. Bertles, um, uh, made some uh, movies, made the uh, the Flynn movie. Um, uh, was, was a good movie. Yeah, was uh, were dreadfully sick the last uh, twelve months or so, and uh, unfortunately uh, lost his battle. He's a cousin to John Michael, I believe. Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, uh, one of the things I read about him today, which I didn't know, is that he was one of the people who uh, first signed Pseudo Echo to uh, to a recording yeah. contract. I saw that and didn't realise it either. Yeah, which we, well, had, would, we had Brian. I Cannamon. would see him. At, sorry, I would see him at gigs all the time. He was still out and about. Oh yeah, in recent years at gigs. Loved his gigs. Yeah, spent a long time in uh, in LA when he's, uh, I think the first movie company that he put together uh, fell apart and he, uh, I think he had a, a bad falling out with the, his partner in that. So he went to America and spent a lot of time over there and did, did a fair few movies and projects and stuff over there and continued his writing. So sad, uh, sad passing at the age of 72. And uh, Harold Mitchell died at the age of 81. No, not the Neighbours character. This is Harold Mitchell uh, who's a – Known as a media buyer and someone who was a, a, one of the movers and shakers in the media industry for a very long time, a, a guru in the advertising uh, industry, very influential businessman uh, across a lot of uh, areas, including politics and and the media, um, and a bit of a philanthropist as well. Um, so yeah, said that uh, at the age of eighty-one, uh, from uh, he had a, a knee operation and uh, got some complications from that and. Uh, Battled obesity for most of his life, and uh, uh, yeah, so very sad to hear about uh, Harold. Is the the outpouring of uh, messages about him from 
from Eddie Maguire, from uh, from the Prime Minister, from uh, a whole range of people across uh, things showed Dom- uh, showed his influence. Dominoes. Yeah. Who? Dominoes. Dominoes. Yes, probably. Probably. He was. He said a, he was a big man. Was, I'm not he was a, with no, him, he but. was a big man. Uh, and that is uh, that's the deathalizer. So close her up, Brian, before anything else happens. You survived another episode of the deathalizer. Not very good, Brian. You'll get Thank that, you. You'll get that gig. You get that gig doing the movies. Just when you thought it was safe. Now Valentine's Day. Are you doing anything special? Comes Valentine's Day. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Are you um are you falling off a planter box and and <laughs> professing your love to your betrothed and and selected are you, are you uh, to Ken? <laughs> significant other on the on the end of a mobile phone yeah. as you fall remember, off a planter box? Remember last time we talked to Ken about his twelve year old girlfriend or whatever the hell was going <laughs> on? Wasn't twelve year old, Brian? <laughs> Not yet, but she was only a couple of weeks away. Ah, <laughs> uh, Valentine's Day. I'm uh, sort of in between. Uh, oh, uh, at the moment, <laughs> could, right. could be a bit of a. Uh, uh, did I tell you about the Super Bowl? <laughs> yeah, no, uh, Brian. Are you are you doing something special for the one you love? There is no one I love. I'll probably buy myself a beer. That yeah, that's what I was sort of alluding yeah, to, um, Brian. No, I have um, no plans for Valentine's oh, Day. Okay. And, you know, I think it's actually against my religion. So oh, you can't worship false gods, Kev. Right. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, but what about you, Kevin? Now, you've been with your, uh, your better half yeah. for, for many many a year. Yeah, is yeah, it, 20, is 20 still years. still a thing? Well, yeah, no, 20 still years. Thing for no, you? you know what? It, funnily, it's never been a thing for us. Um, we we've never done anything special really on Valentine's Day. We might we might every now and again we might uh, you know uh, go out somewhere. We do. I don't, in fact, I can't remember if we've ever been out on Val- Valentine's Day um, together because it. To be honest, it sounds cheesy and smaltzy, but we treat every day like it's Valentine's Day um, rather than pick out the fourteenth of February. The fourteenth of February is my younger brother's birthday, but. Um, no, we never do. We very rarely do anything. Even flowers and stuff. I buy flowers for Sarah all the time. I don't necessarily buy them on Valentine's Day when they're three times the price. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're better off to have Valentine's Day the day before or the day after yeah. or something. You know. Yeah, because you um, get the flowers for ten dollars, whereas you file up on Valentine's Day, they go, "That's fifty dollars, thanks, Mister Hillier." <laughs> what? Those things, oh. um, yes, I know. No, we don't. We don't do anything uh, specifically for Valentine's Day. So, but mm-hmm. I, I just didn't know whether you two were the romantic type. I didn't realise you, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, and Fanny's uh, anyway. Fanny's not out on a Valentine's Day date. It's uh, to celebrate his uh, his daughter's birthday. Um, so. I wonder if Valentine's uh, Valentine's Day is a big day at Lenny's. You know, does he have a uh, don't know romantic soup? I don't know. <laughs> Soup with little. Does the Jewish religion with, support Valentine's Day? I'm soup not with sure. little little um, little sheep's hearts in it or something. I've got no idea. Absolutely. Now, well, pop it down there and have a look. No, well, probably we should. Um, Actually, what what we should do, Ken, is you need to go down to the reject shop and talk to that Chinese oh, man. Yes, oh, yes, we miss him. Record it, and then we'll give it to Finey so we can. Do the voice. Unless I, I you can do the voice. About twelve months ago, I went in there and he was very suspicious of me. Oh, really? Because I, I, I had a conversation with him. I wanted to hear him speak because <laughs> he sounds a lot like Finey. Yeah. <laughs> Should have said that to him. Say, you sound like that man. Fine. Oh, I, I think if I had have mentioned anything to do with the podcast, I would have been uh, out the door. Yeah, you might have become part of the backroom furniture. Mm. No, he wasn't. You should have got into him about his spy balloons on the identity of the, the, the um, what was it the fake the fake mustache and all that stuff the identity the, yeah, the, yeah, the glasses yeah. with the nose and stuff yeah, yeah great the disguise kit <laughs> oh god um, and now December twenty sixth nineteen seventy five let's have a look at what the top ten was because it's actually a sorry quite an amazing chart this one um. Jump in My Car by Ted Mulry is the number one, but let's start from 10. 10 is Action by Sweet. Great song. I was going to say, not one of their best. I don't really? Know. I love it. 
Yeah, oh, I, like, I it. like the ending. Action, 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 action. Have some fun with that. Number nine, Slipping Away by Max Merritt and the Meteors. Eight, yep. Feelings by Morris Albert. Seven, uh, this is back in the days when the double-sided hit was around. Yep. Matter of Time and Only One You by Sherbert. Can Daryl still sing that Only One You that high, do you reckon? Remember how high he, that song he, is? He'd do it in falsetto now, I reckon. Four. Six, Denim and Lace by Marty Roan. Five, uh, Mamma Mia by Abba. Four, Money Honey by the Bay City Rollers. Three, Million Dollar Ref by the Hooks. Yay. Two, S.O.S. by Abba. Number one, good to see, Jump in My Car by the Ted Mulry Gang. What a chart. Yeah. And now, it's- now, I did hear some derision there when the Bay City Rollers was uh, mentioned, but that track, Money Honey, what was it, number four? Yep. That track, that track is a killer track, and I reckon if you and the Androids, Brian, do another mm-hmm. album, you should uh, record Money Honey. Well, I actually like their other song better on this chart. They've got two. Yeah, they have. Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of acts had two. A lot of acts had two songs on the charts in '75. Give a yeah, little love. Cool. Uh, yeah, give a little love. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Am I, am I starting or? No, Kenny's yeah, well, no by, no, by all means, Kenny might go last because it's his it's his chart of choice. Oh, okay. Well, actually, I'll because every song on this chart I really like. There's there's not one that doesn't mean something to me. So. All right, oh, hang on. I'm going to stop you right there. Blanket on the ground by Billy Joe Spears. What the bloody hell does that mean to you? <laughs> well, she's going. Come on, we'll get out for a picnic and we'll lay a blanket on the ground. We'll have a root in the freaking bushes because. Sorry, silly know, me, silly me. Dad, what was I thinking? <laughs> what was I thinking? Lay a blanket on the ground so we can have a root because we don't okay. have a house yet. Thanks, We're bro. teenagers. Right, I got it. I'm glad I asked now. And I learnt that song on the <laughs> at guitar school. So did that's you okay. really? Oh shit! Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I reckon I probably would have known how to play most of these songs when this chart was out. But anyway. Um, so yeah, give a little love. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this only because I've got a little story about it. But it's not a bad song. But when I was doing the countdown play, I had to, um, I wanted to have the Bay City Rollers in because they were they were frantic and huge, and I felt to ignore them would be wrong. And I was listening to Bye Bye Baby, and that. Oh, jeez, oh, that's a really bad recording. Money, honey, I didn't listen to, but I just thought it's, I just didn't like it, and but. Give a little love. I listened to that and I thought, oh, gee, you can be so corny to this. And Richard Massionis played the singer. Um, what Eric Fortner. Yeah, Eric. Les. Uh, yeah. Oh, Les Four, McEwen. That's right. Les McEwen. Yeah, yeah the Bass City Rollers, Fort Porson and Les. Okay. Hang on. How and- do we all know the names of the Bass City Rollers? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so, I wasn't going to mention it. <laughs> but, oh, look, the way we took the piss out of them, and, you know, especially the he goes, when he, he talks in the middle of it. The monologue. Well, how does it go, Ken? Do you remember? Oh, no, don't. don't. I, you see, I've already admitted I know their names. You're now going to get me to recite the word. <laughs> Come on. I do have some credibility. Oh, it's, it's, it's like, darling, hold my hand. <laughs> I will give a little love. So that's that's my um, my talking song, point of song. Do I do both of them or do I just move on now? No, no. Well, hold, uh, hold your hold – your, uh... Jets, they're cool. Your jets for Kenny. Your first observation. Uh, well, we covered a lot of it. Just how many Australian artists are in this chart, and you can really see the influence of Countdown kicking in in a big way. You compare a chart from seventy three, seventy four to a chart from seventy five, seventy six, and there is a massive leap of Australian talent in those charts. It is just huge. Uh, also, the sort of Australian talent too, because like. 73 around there, it was Ross Ryan, it was Kevin Johnson. Yeah. This yep. is this is Hush and Skyhooks, yes. and it's all of a sudden it's colour television and it's yeah. it's reflective of that. Yeah, and it's good-looking blokes with uh, their shirts undone to the waist and, and it's pop stars. Ross and Ryan, a lot did of- Ross Ryan have a song in this chart? Sorry. <laughs> his horse had his uh, shirt undone. Uh, but – yeah, so that observation, just how much Australian talent is there. Like you, Brian, I can go through this chart and love every single song. I can go mm. through a chart today, if charts still exist, and really not know any of them. But um, I don't think people even care about charts anymore. But the, in this day and age, in 1975, this was your lifeblood. 
you'd race down to Brashes or Allens and grab the uh, the music chart from the local radio station off the counter. And, you know, you lived and died by this stuff. This was fantastic. As you say, um, Ted Murray gang had gone to number one with Jump In My Car. They knocked off ABBA, so very, uh, very proud of. Skyhooks would have had a hell of a lot more number ones in this country if it wasn't for ABBA. <laughs> Million Dollar Riff got to number two the previous week and it dropped out, dropped back to number three because, again, kept out by ABBA. Mind you, uh, Skyhook's Million Dollar Riff was kept out of number one by Mamma Mia. Now, Mamma Mia had dropped down on this chart and SOS had overtaken it. Oh, God. So the Hooks didn't have a hope in hell. Yes. They were, yeah. ABBA were just a huge one. They, they were just, oh, God, oh, God, they were annoying to play. I went into um, Gold 104 for something years and years, 20-something years ago, in a Gold 104 for some reason, chatting to the musical director because I decided to wander off and find his office and was talking about something. And I said, you know, you guys really should be playing ABBA. And he had a face like a twisted sand shoe when I mentioned this. Huh. And I said, ABBA are still incredibly popular. And I think it was like six months later, ABBA Gold was released, the CD. So it was like the first compact disc greatest hits of ABBA. And that album had been number one for like 10 to 12 weeks before Gold added an ABBA song to the playlist. Wow. So they just, Radio Today just doesn't get it. And they didn't get it 20 years ago. But also, with my other observation, I'll do this quickly. Yeah. Uh, if you look at the chart, what also fascinated me was to go through this chart and just realize just how few of these songs are still on radio playlists today. I mean, there's your obvious ones like uh, you know, Sailing and Lionized by the Eagles and that type of thing. And obviously, there's your, your one-hit wonder artists from that period. You know, things like um, Letting Go by Wings is on there, which was a highlight of McCartney's recent shows. You don't hear that on the radio on a playlist anymore. No. Russell Russell Morris is still huge. Look at him. He sells out, you know, Hamer Hall and the Opera House in Sydney. He had Let's Do It, which is a great track. You'll never hear that again on the radio. Renee, we mentioned, all the accolades for for Renee when she passed away. Do you hear Heading in the Right Direction regularly on a playlist? Jeez, it's a good song. It's a great song. Do you hear it on the radio now? No. It's just radio, I don't know, they just seem to want to narrow down the memory so much. And I could listen to this stuff all day. Yeah. Oh, the I radio agree. station agree playing this chart, I'd be I'd be there. I'm trying to think I if think. there's anything on here. I mean, I don't even think I've heard sailing played anywhere for a long time. And now that would be one of the AM music stations. I don't yeah. think I don't think a gold or a or a triple None. M would play it. Um, it's a long way to the top would get played. Uh yep. obviously. Triple M. Maybe Department of Youth somewhere, maybe a gold somewhere, somewhere yeah. but uh, I'm I don't think Only Women Bleed gets played anywhere, and that is no. a bloody tragedy because, Jesus, that's a good yes, song. That's a great um, Yeah, you're right. There aren't. There are hardly any. So the two the two artists I want to talk about, um, I don't think they get played at all anywhere by anybody anymore, which is a great bloody shame because they're both brilliant, I reckon. Um, David Essex, I love David Essex. Yeah, um, cool. I, I thought he was – I thought he – there was – I watched a couple of clips because I just thought, is this my memory sort of telling me something that that wasn't right? And I always thought he had a cheeky sense of humour. I remember interviewing him um, and actually getting him to sing me happy birthday for my birthday, um, and, and he did it. Um, and he was really what cheeky. What did you get him to do for your birthday, Kev? That was all, mate, just a quick uh, quick little song, uh, just sing just me. Just a quick little song, okay. Um, I got him to do it and I got Leo Say to do it, and I, I've not got copies of those which I'm spewing about. Um but he was a cheeky buggy. He was really, really quite the – and I watched a couple of video clips of him and I was trying to think who it was he reminded me of. There's a bit of Mark Hunter about mm. about the way he holds himself, the way that, he moves. He's got that swagger, hasn't he? Yeah, and the, and the yeah. grin and the kind of looking yeah. at the camera going like, <laughs> I'm actually taking the piss here. Um, <laughs> there's, a, there's a bit of that about him, which is – well, you know, and I, I thought Mark was one of the best frontmen I'd ever seen. Uh, but I like, really like David Essex. And these two songs that are on this chart, um, Rolling Stone and uh, Hold Me Close, both really good songs. I mean, I, I think the – what's that song called? Uh, Jimmy Dean, James Dean. Oh, Rock On. That's a great – I love yeah. that song as a song. Um, yep. These are just a couple of pop songs and that, but they're really good and they're, they're cheeky and they, they kind of represent what 1975 was all about. And, so, and you – I mean, he's he's massive still in England. Uh, they love him over there. I think he's touring again this year soon. He's I think he's seventy five or somewhere around there. Um, 
and uh, he still looks fantastic. He hasn't got the hair anymore, but he still looks great. So he's he's one that I I wanted to uh, wanted to highlight. And my other one, I'll come back to it. Brian. What was your other one? Well, I'm just going to say, Kev, that you know you look at this chart and you can just smell the sharpies. You can <laughs> you can smell the treads. Remember the treads with the uh, tire for the sole? Yeah, yeah. That, that was you. You can smell the Starsky and the Starsky jumpers from <laughs> Starsky and Hutch. You can smell the lumber jackets and the flares. All right, maybe even a bit of tie dye. Might be a bit early. Maybe a bit too late. Um, right. Look. Um, what did I do last time? Forgot. Hang on. Um, yeah, I'm going to go for it was similar sort of thing. Otherwise, I'll just went Bay City Rollers. You talked about. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, no, it wasn't them. It was. I'll just look. Number sixteen, Kev. What's that? Uh, well, it's gone <laughs> gone off my screen, so I'll have to look it on here. Yeah, sixteen was um, Hurricane, I think, by Bob. Yeah, Dillon. it is. Bob Dillon. Ah. Really happy with that. Um, I love this song. It's 13 verses, I think, and I used to play it on acoustic guitar a lot in about 1975, 76, down at Ocean Grove Beach, a little bonfire and chicks would come up and we'd be, Pissed and shut hang on the bottom of the night. And a pair of empties, it's up the hole. Got to have a guy with kill them all. Yeah, and... And I really like that song. It's really easy to play if those of you play guitar, just A minor and F and then C, G and F when you get to the chorus. And and the, there's got a pretty good riff you can learn to play. So Bob is, Dylan, number 16, View Beauty. Is there anyone who doesn't do a Bob Dylan? Everyone does <laughs> like three lines of, hey, 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 Everyone Well, these like days that. he's more like, oh, damn, yeah. yeah, really damn, <laughs> yeah. And so is John Cougar Mellencamp too. I think you get to a certain age and you just go, well, the whiskey is coming down. I, I saw um, a, a video of John Mellencamp doing, wasn't Cherry Bomb, it was another song. Uh, and it actually sounded really good, but I know the backing vocalists were working overtime. Um, John was just kind of hanging in there, but the backing vocalists were working overtime. The one I wanted to mention, the other one I, I've got is uh, Neil Sedaka. Oh, yeah. I'm an unashamed Neil Sedaka fan. I reckon he wrote some great songs. You know, he had six um, top ten hits and a massive number one hit, um, uh, you know, uh, Breaking Up Is Hard To Do. Then then he sort of fell out of favour. He came here and did a whole lot of stuff here. And my memory is that he was on a lot of television, tonight television shows here um, in that early part of the 70s when he did Wheel in West Virginia, which he recorded here. Mm. Um and then he was doing. He was basically doing England and and Australia because um, America didn't want to know about him. They, they, even though he'd had all these massive hit records, when the Beatles came in, they said, "You, you little dumpy piano playing fellow, you nip, nick off over into the corner. We're not really interested in you." Um, and then he then by hook or by crook, he was in England and ran into Elton John, and Elton John signed him to Rocket Records, and he bought out Laughter in the Rain, which I think is a beautiful song. Oh, I love it! Beautiful song. Yeah. Um, so he had a hit with that, which he wrote, um, and then the one that's on this chart is one that Elton sings on with him, uh, uncredited. They never put Elton's name on it, um, even though he was signed to Rocket Records, and it was fairly bloody obvious after about fifteen and a half seconds. That's Elton John singing background vocals on that. Um, but the band was Steve Cropper um, from uh, from from so many things, but uh, you know he was part of uh, so many great albums and were, did a lot of Rod Stewart stuff. Nigel Olsen, the drummer for Elton. Uh, David Foster, the piano player, was on this. Um, Elton obviously sings on it. And Bad Blood, I just thought Bad Blood was just a great little pop song. and uh, Great record. Yeah. So between Laughter and the Rain and then Bad Blood, I thought, wow, Neil Stoker's back. And then Captain and Tennille did that little line on the end of Love Will Keep Us Together, Sadaka is back. And everyone, yep. everyone, you know, all of a sudden America rediscovered him and now he's, you know, musical icon Neil Sedaka. But for probably I think it was 13 years between when he was in the charts and when he came back with Laughter in the Rain, America, he was, he was treated like a dirty bum over there. They wiped him. Mm. Well, you didn't treat Captain and Tennille too well talking about their drug taking. Like, oh, they just had a little line at the end and then said <laughs> Sedaka is I back. I like Captain and Tennille. 
I liked them too, but That's I wouldn't cool. certainly talk about their private life like you do. Well, the, the captain <laughs> and Tennille, they were together. They were they were a, they were a number. Right. Yeah, but we didn't have to, oh now they're smoking joints. They're having a number. <laughs> oh, it's just, I'm drugged up tonight, Brian. Don't you worry. You know, no, no, well, you're saying Captain I'm getting ready. Are, are doing a number, <laughs> they're doing you know line. You know what I'm getting ready for, Brian? Lander. They're having right. the they're having the enhanced games where athletes can get drugged up to whatever they want with all the supplements and all the things yeah. that make you go faster and quicker and higher and longer and all those things. I'm wow. getting ready. We're doing an enhanced version of this program. Oh, shit, one's already started. <laughs> welcome, <laughs> welcome to the enhanced uh, Olympic Games. We expect Sorry. every world record to be broken in the next half an hour. Brian started about four weeks ago. Um yeah, so there's there's uh, nineteen seventy five December nineteen seventy five. Where were you? Where were you in December nineteen seventy five, Brian? Um, I was probably playing in my band, um, yep. my little band, and we were in a Connie, and might have even had a pair of platform shoes, and oh. and um, you know, starting to get interested in girls, but none of them were interested in me because I looked like their little brother. But um, <laughs> and you know. Getting pretty scared not to get beat up by the Sharpies. So, yeah, no, it was interesting time. Where were you in 1975, December, apart from, you know, unwrapping your presents? Uh, 1975, I was in grade two at Tucker Road Primary School in Moravan and um, having the time of my life, watching Countdown on a Sunday night, Hey, Hey, It's Saturday on a Saturday morning, morning Donnie yeah. Sutherland on Sounds Unlimited. 1975 was just a, a, killy, a killy year for me. Uh, well, like we talked about the amount of Australians in that chart. Yep. Uh, like Australians rarely make the chart these days. In 1975, there were six Australian number one hits. Shall I reel them off for you? We got time? Yeah, yeah. Before we go right. to the news. The Aussie number ones for 1975, You're My World by Daryl Braithwaite, oh. horror movie by Skyhooks, the Newcastle song by Bob Hudson, <laughs> Yesterday's Hero by John Young, JPY, Boney Maroney by Hush, and the year finished out with TMG on top there on that chart with Jump In My Car. Six Australians at number one that year. It was a huge year for Aussie rock, and that countdown influence was kicking in, and 3XY was ruling the airwaves in Melbourne, 2SM in Sydney, and 4IP Brisbane. and yep. Yeah, it was, you know, satin and colour and everything was fun. I loved it. Yeah, it was. I was doing nights in uh, in Brisbane, um, and we were – Grace nights. Sorry? Grace night. No, nights, the nighttime program. Six till nine I was on, Brian, six till nine, um, Monday to Friday, and uh, we, were, we were probably only – I think at that stage we probably only had about 65% of the market. Um, we were struggling in the ratings. Um, the ratings were ridiculous uh, in those days for 2SM and for 3XY and for 4IP. They were, just, they were uh, such hot radio stations you couldn't touch them. Um, I think McCartney might have toured. In seventy five, yeah, McCartney wings to yeah, it. I yeah. reckon that's when that the the PD in, in Brisbane said, "No, you won't be doing the Paul McCartney interview, Kevin. You'll be staying yeah. back at the station. I'll be doing that interview." Hmm. Never, never really forgiven him for that. Um, I can now I understand why because I was bloody you know silly 19, 18 year old or whatever I was. Uh, you know, oh Paul McCartney, I would have would have been would have been would have been brilliant. Um, <laughs> oh, it would have been a complete and utter disaster. Um, you know, you would have said something like, "And welcome, Paul." Um, and excuse me, sorry, I've lost my notes. What is it that you do again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or I could have done what uh, Norman Gunston did and said to Linda, "You don't look Japanese." Yeah, yeah, that was a beauty. Remember that? <laughs> oh God! And they loved him. Uh, they they got it. Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah, they did. They did love him. Um, yeah. They, they used that in one of their documentaries. Yeah. You know, the British got it. The Americans, not so much. Oh, no. God, no. The Americans, Sally Struthers, remember when she kept looking at him? And, what's, <laughs> your, what's wrong with your face? And he, she said, you, you should use an electric razor. And he said, I do. And she completely <laughs> lost it. Completely lost. Now, we do have to go to the news, boys. But before oh. we get to that, because it was, yeah, straight number, got to go to uh, Peter's, Peter's ready with the news. It's a big breaking story, too. Um, uh, Brian, you're gigging this week, I believe. Yes, I'm off to Adelaide. On um, I'm playing in Adelaide at the Spiegel Tent, wherever that is, you know, on Friday night. So 
hopefully come down and check us out and say hello. Beautiful. Uh, and, Kenny, uh, before we go to the news, uh, thank you so much for being on the program, filling in for Fine. really appreciate it. Um, happy to have you back any time, mate. Yeah, I love it. Thanks for having me. Great to see you too. No, absolute, Thanks, Ken. Absolute pleasure. Look after yourselves, the both of you, and stand by now. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the news. Thanks, Lavinia. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Tony. You've just experienced rock and roll. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Facebook.